0: From the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, I'm Christopher Calloway, and this is Creator Talks, the show where I interview writers and artists, working in comic books, and in other mediums. My guests today on the show, one is returning Caleb Palmquist, and his friend, Greg Anderson Elise. They have a Kickstarter. It's an anthology called Modern Mythology, A Hero's Journey. The book contains a series of stories that are modern takes, different spins on several ancient myths. Now the Kickstarter is underway now and it is a 160 page plus book featuring 17 stories by 29 talented creators. And it contains pinups ups by additional independent comic book artists. The lead-off story of the book is by my guest Greg Anderson-Elise. An exclusive 14-page Isnana the Were-Spider story from Greg and David Bram. And Greg has a whole series of stories about Isnana the Were-Spider. Isnana is a myth born of ancient African culture. And not only can you get this anthology of stories but you can also get books from Caleb's catalog of books and of Greg's Spider as one of the bundles. So we'll learn more about all the contributions to the book. We will kick back with the creator and ask Greg my questions this time. In addition to all that we're going to talk about comic books that involve black or African-American characters and what Greg thinks about them. What do they do right and what did they do wrong back in the day when they were introduced. And so please give a hearty welcome to Caleb PalmQuest and Greg Anderson-Elise, here now on Creator Talks. Caleb, welcome back to Creator Talks. Hi. And Greg, welcome for the first time. Hey, thanks for having me. Greg, you mentioned uh, earlier that you were going camping or to camp or something this weekend coming up? Are you going to camp camping? What's going on?
1: Yeah, so um, I've been a part of this sleepaway camp for the past couple of years. I'd say about seven years now. Every August, it's for my kids who come from families for like LGBTQ parents and stuff.
0: Looking forward to it. Very good. Seven years, huh? Awesome. Yeah. Good job. How long is this for? Is it a week?
1: Yeah, it's a week.
0: Do you like pack out and everything? Do you have to like take your uh, tent and all that stuff, or you guys have cabins or?
1: No, we got cabins. Oh, good.
0: (laughs) I like the great outdoors, but not that much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't gone that extreme yet. We'll see one day.
0: Okay. (laughs) Wise choice. So, gentlemen, what role do you think myth making plays in society today? What's its value? Because your book's about mythology and modern mythology, the hero's journey. Now, what do you think the role is in mythology today in society? Caleb, we'll start with you.
2: The reason that people love myths and the reason that we still talk about myths is because they're so enduring. I mean, myths, both classic myths and modern myths, I mean, they get right to the heart of the things that we care about. I mean, everything from, you know, ancient Greek myths to superheroes today are stories that speak to the human experience. And I think that people really resonate with that kind of thing. And uh, And I think it's important to have Those kind of stories, it's as important now as it was thousands of years ago.
1: Greg, what do you think? I mean, I agree, especially with the connections to myths today, essentially being like superheroes when you think about it. I feel like the superhero of praise has been like the new mythology, especially with the whole aspect of morality, right or wrong, being a hero facing all these different crazy monsters and obstacles. A lot of back in the days, all types of mythology was used as a way to pretty much guide people through different types of adversity issues or to explain how certain things were made how we came to be that continues to resonate with a lot of people especially people from their own particular ethnicities and cultures and as i said superheroes being what it is today i think it's one reason why the fantastical aspect of it continues to resonate with a lot of us
0: absolutely yes superheroes are big and those superheroes from back in the golden age and silver age and through today or some of them are tapping into ancient mythology as it is. You know, you look at things like Thor, and they're all coming from some of that ancient history, ancient mythology. And yeah, it's a way to communicate to people certain values and ideas and important things through these godlike beings who weren't always so perfect. But it's a way of passing along a message, passing along a way of conduct through a story. Because even though we are a much more a technology-based society, we all still like a good story. We all need myths to kind of pass things along. It makes it easier to share information. So I'm wondering, how did you two get together to create this modern mythology, the hero's journey? Who met who first and whose idea was it?
2: The book is my project. I came up with the idea of modern mythology, but Greg and I have known each other for a while. Greg does a book called Is None of the Were Spider* That's amazing. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, and we've been talking for a few years. And we know a lot of the same people. And uh, when I came up with this idea for this book, it felt like an obvious choice to reach out to Greg to have him participate because it fits so perfectly into this theme and the book and what it is. That's sort of how how we decided to work together on
0: this project. And it is the lead off story, Greg, yours. It's a story The Hunter and the Lion with artist David Brain. It's the story of Anasi and his son Isnana. Did I say that right? Make sure, why don't you pronounce those for me? No, you guys got it. Now, firstly, this mythology goes way back to African mythology. What have you learned about that mythology in your research and preparation to write these stories?
1: There's a whole well when it comes to African culture and mythology, you know, all the different countries that we have. And one of the things that generally gravitated me towards it was the fact that a lot of us, especially even uh, black folks, unfortunately, didn't quite know many of our mythological figures. That was what inspired Isnana the Were-Spider, is when I would ask people if they even knew who Anansi was, and given that Anansi is probably the most well-known of uh, black folklore and mythology characters, I've known a lot of people who had no idea who he was. That was where my character Nana became the stand-in for like, the next generation, trying to reclaim the roots, and while he's figuring out his own self and how to make his father proud, he's meeting all these various other Black spiritual mythology characters that fit in with this series too. Like once Caleb hit me up and told me his idea, um, I just thought, hey, this literally fits exactly what I'm doing with this now. So why don't I just
0: create a new story for this mythology? Now you have at least two books out about these characters. Is that right? Or is there another one in the works and you have some other shorter stories as well?
1: Yeah, so I have uh, two full volumes. Both volumes have two stories each. There's also a one shot that came out earlier this year and I'm working on two other one shots at this moment I'm just waiting for the artists both artists to finish their stories
0: now this story in the anthology is this something brand new it's uh, exclusive for this book here okay because it does a really good job of introducing who the characters are just through internal dialogue and the back and forth between them so it's a great place if you know nothing about it I had no problem getting into it and it's a great lead-off to the whole anthology very strong story and there is some horror involved in it, and I know that you're a fan of horror. And there's also some good dialogue, banter, or snarkiness a little bit here and there. So yeah. it kind of reminds me of Spider-Man in that regard, just in terms of some of the witticisms that they throw out. is uh, pretty cool. Greg, you were influenced by a lot of comics growing up. Uh, you know, black characters, African-American characters like Black Panther, Brother Voodoo, Static. What do these comics you grew up with get right? And what did they not get right? What did they get wrong? <laughs> that's a loaded question you. <laughs> a loaded well you question. have the floor sir so please
1: I mean honestly it really all comes down to who's the one behind the pen you know mm-hmm. who's writing it. that's something that I've talked about a couple of times even at panels is when you're trying to get authenticity for a lot of characters why not actually try to get people with similar backgrounds whether it's how they grew up, their ethnicity, their sexual backgrounds like whatever it was And not to say that people from outside of that can't write those characters. I mean, a majority of those characters were created by white men. And there's some great stories with them. But at the same time, when it comes to what feels real, what feels right, it all comes down to people's backgrounds, if they came from it. And if you're not from it, knowing the proper research, how to actually reach out to people from those backgrounds to find some way that it seems very authentic and real. It really depends on like even who I'm reading. Say, for example, the Brother Voodoo character, his original stories were actually very well written and well researched. As the character developed afterwards, there was a lack of research when it came to the character. There's still a lot of it. So today, when you read the character, he's just this creepy spellcaster guy. But there's no real like connection to the actual religion of voodoo, as opposed to what you would read in the original stories, which a lot of people didn't even actually realize was quite authentic in some senses in a fantastical setting
0: now have you seen or read the savage avengers book that's out now because brother voodoo's in there
1: i've skimmed through the first issue just to see how he was depicted (laughs) Mm -hmm. the plan was for me before i go to camp was for me to track down all the issues that way i can read and hopefully
0: be entertained by the way he's being used i've not seen a lot of brother voodoo in it He's a pretty smart character, so I want to see more about him. Right now, it's been very Conan-centric uh, Wolverine, and the other characters kind of on the periphery. I think they were bringing in the Punisher, so I'm still kind of finding my way through it. There's a lot of characters in there, and you know, you're know, you trying to jam them into one issue. That's a problem with any group book, is trying to get everybody enough space to breathe and develop. And it's hard to do, especially nowadays that we're writing like decompressed stories with four- and five-issue arcs can't do what you used to do, you know. But we do know now, now that you've explained that, and I think most people would agree that some of the things that make the books better today are that the people who write them are of the culture or are of the race or the mindset or the sexual orientation or what have you. And I think it's very well put. If you don't know, well then go find out. Ask someone who does. Doesn't mean you can't write. And some people do it very well. And guys did it back in the day. Well, they tried. And if they didn't try, well, I would have never seen those characters at all. But... Christmas? Really? Who says that? I don't get it. <laughs>
1: you know, that was one of
0: the weirdest things that Cage would say. <laughs> but uh in your opinion, both of you, what back issues or even new series do you recommend that people should read about African American or black heroes? You know, what is a good story right now or one that goes back that is one of your favorites besides the aforementioned early issues? of Brother voodoo i would
1: definitely recommend christopher priest's run on um black panther oh yes it's like uh, required essential reading especially if you're trying to get into black panther or black panther fan there's a lot of great independent books out there you know books by uh john jennings i would recommend he's done a book called a whole blue hand mojo day black by keith cross which is about a uh vampire tattoo artist who Is also epileptic, which is uh, pretty interesting. There's so, so much, you know, and there's a lot that I've been hearing a lot of great things about, but I've yet to be able to pick up because of my schedule and how busy I am. But hoping to get into that and uh, Bitter Root by uh, David Walker and uh, Chuck Brown has been pretty freaking dope recently. And Excellence, Brandon Thomas and Carby Randolph, i will also like to give a shout out
0: about. You mentioned also that you like Static. I had read that. Those Milestone books are great too. Used to have a bunch of them, and I've gone back and bought a bunch of them back again when I had to part with some of my books due to financial circumstances. Those I like so much, those core books, Static and Hardware and Icon. Hardware was my guy. I love Hardware. Those still stand up. Those are great books, and they're very affordable. So, if people are looking for something to read, you know, something that's older, want to go back and take a look at something that still stands up now, want to check out. But we have a whole anthology to talk about, and there's a (laughs) lot of stories in there. So, Caleb, you've pulled everyone together for this, so tell me about the various stories in there. There's about, I think I counted something like 13, because the copy that I read, this is early in the game here. There's no table of contents, so I'm writing stuff down. (laughs) So, So, take me through, if you would please walk me through what is in the book, the stories, the teams, and what myth they're tapping into?
2: The version I sent you had uh, almost all of the stories, getting a few more, but the book will be finished by the time we hit Kickstarter. By the time that we're uh, we're airing this, the book is done. There's a lot of stories in here. Got a lot of really talented people. Obviously, Greg's story that is not a story The Hunter and the Lion is kind of uh, the headline story here, but we have myths from all over the world, sort of all cultures, not only representing cultures from all over the world, but also people participating from all over the world. I'll just sort of run through what we've got. There's a story about Vasilisa, who is a, that's a Russian folk tale, trying to think what's Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga, yeah. So that's a really great story by a young artist named Alex Lewis, who is very talented. And that story is really cool because she actually is basing a lot of the drawings on classic Rushton drawings from storybooks. It's a very beautiful story. Then we have Theseus was written by Russell Nolte and drawn by Nicholas Torres, who are both friends of mine, very cool, talented guys. And, and that is a, more of a comical story. The premise of that story is that Theseus is navigating the maze to find the Minotaur using a phone app. But instead of Waze, it's called Maze. (laughs) So that's pretty clever. Then we have a story called Coochulain. I think it's Irish. And it's sort of a classic folktale story that is retold, setting the characters against the backdrop of sort of the IRA. And that whole conflict, it's a pretty violent story, but I like that story a lot. Then we have Aeneas. Well, the story is actually called Dynasty in the book. It's based on the myth of Aeneas. And it sort of uses gangsters and the setting of Las Vegas
0: as the backdrop set of Troy. I like that. That put a smile on my face.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a great story. <laughs> that one's by Clay Adams and John Eddingfield. There's a very fun story. Then we have a story based on Hercules. Uh, That one's by Jonathan Fisher. Um, That story is great. It's essentially, instead of Hercules hunting lions, Hercules is protecting lions. He's sort of got a do-gooder business where he keeps an eye out on poachers and takes them down and protects wild lions, which I thought was a really fun twist. Then we've got Setna in the Book of Toth by Sheldon Fisher, who is actually a friend of yours, right, Greg?
1: Yeah, I was able to get him on board for this one.
2: Sheldon actually not only wrote it, But he also did the thumbnails for the story, which then Locke Nguyen is a really awesome dude. And he finished out the drawings on that story. It's a very beautiful story about a young man who finds this book. It's a little bit of a tragedy, and it's a very beautiful story. And uh, that was actually Sheldon's first comic book script, as far as I understand it. And he, he really knocked it out of the park. I'm very excited for everyone to read that. We've got a story about Beowulf by Phoebe Xavier and Federica Tizio. This was really cool because Phoebe is someone that I just met for this anthology, but Fed is someone that I'd worked with before on my book, A Small Favor. And she did just one panel in A Small Favor in my volume one, but she was a joy to work with. And she actually reached out to me to participate in this book. So that was really exciting. She's a very talented artist. The Beowulf story, um, it's a modern retelling of Beowulf, but instead of Grendel being an actual monster, it's a computer virus. So that was a fun twist. We've got a story called Achilles by Trey McDonald. And Trey is something else. Trey is an animator. He did an animated trailer for the book, which has already been making the rounds online and he has a youtube channel which is pretty popular and he did this animated trailer which is fantastic and then he did this story for the book where achilles is like a track and field runner it's a short story trey has been a huge help in this whole process the trailer itself is just out of this world it's fantastic the next story is called water jar boy it's by philip charles and ryan crowbar that is a native american myth and in the story instead of being a water jar he's a water bottle which has been discarded It's a short story it's very cute it's very good ryan did an excellent job on the art with that one that was where that came from one of the things that you haven't seen yet which will be in the final book is that each writer has written a sort of background on the original myth and sort of where that myth came from what influenced it what decisions they made in
0: interpreting that myth. oh excellent i was hoping you would have something like that but i didn't want to be like hey caleb like throw this in there just get this done yeah. you know next couple yeah. of weeks <laughs> no we're less than 30 days out from the kickstarter so i was like oh, i'll be a little pressure oh yeah
2: you. <laughs> no, no no for sure <laughs> And that's something that most of the writers have already given me. Okay. When I threw together the press copy for you, you know, I wanted to get it to you as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. That will be there. And so that provides context. And everyone did a great job of doing their research and everything. The next story is called Puel by Katrina Kunstmann. It's a Welsh myth. It's a romance. And in the story, it's set on a sort of like in a beach town and the characters are surfing. And I don't want to give away too much more than that, but it's really awesome. It's very cute, and I think Katrina did a really awesome job with it. That's one that I really like in the book. I mean, I like all of them. What am I talking about? (laughs) Uh, This whole book is filled with just like amazing art, a lot of talent. The next story on my list is Tristan by Noah Meese. Now, you know who Noah Meese is because we have talked before on your podcast about my book, A Small Favor. That's right. Noah Meese is the main artist on A Small Favor. And Noah is also just like a huge mythology guy. Tristan in his old is like one of his favorite stories. He knows every version of that story. I mean, he's done his research. And so he really wanted to tell the story. And it's beautiful. Honestly, I think it's some of the best work he's ever done. He wrote it and he drew it. And it's this incredible, incredible story. Now, it's possible that in the version you read, you might have been in the weeds a little bit. Because I think of all the stories, this is the one that's going to need the most sort of setup in terms of that explanation. I Unless you already know the story of Tristan and his old. Like, if you're very familiar with Tristan and his old, you'd be like, okay, I get what's happening. But mm-hmm. for people who aren't, there will be a little bit of background there. So you kind of understand what's happening. But I think the art that he did is just incredible really really stunning so i'm very excited about that and of course noah is one of my dear friends we've been friends for a long time he was the first artist to ever take a chance on me as a writer i'm always getting him tracking him down to participate in everything i ever do um, so the next story is called Benkai by daniel hill daniel hill is an artist out of the uk uh he's a really nice guy this was actually his first comic that he did as well he typically does a lot of work doing album cover designs but he was uh recommended by a few other people who were participating and benkai is a japanese myth and it's a modern retelling of it it's very cute it's very good it's very colorful so that was really cool that he was participating uh a story that you haven't seen yet but is being finished right now is Jason, the Golden Fleece by Angela Odling. Angela has been doing a lot of work lately in comics. She has a comic called Detached, which is a sort of fantasy, fairy tale type story with a little bit of an Adventure Time vibe that's doing very well on Webtoon. She's kind of all over the place. She's doing a lot of work. She has very beautiful, very unique art style. She is also the artist who did the cover of the book, which is very fun, sort of a cartoon style. And her story is about Jason and the Golden Fleece, except instead of stealing uh, an actual Golden Fleece, the Jason, the main character, is a fraternity pledge who's stealing a Golden Fleece jacket from a rival fraternity. There is a story called Brothers of War by Aaron Tohara. He's the writer. This is based on an Indian myth about two brothers who are at war. And in his story, they're sort of at war over the centuries, a war that started a long time ago, and then it comes to the modern day and still at war. And I'm not super familiar with the mythology behind it. And I'll have to get you the name of the artist. Aaron writes a book called The Book of Lyaxia, which is a mythology comic that's sort of about alternate versions of mythological gods from all sorts of pantheons living in this sort of celestial city together. It's sort of got a Game of Thrones vibe to it. It's a pretty interesting book. And so this was kind of in his wheelhouse, this book. And then the last story is called Samson uh, by Darby Shelton and Dee Parson. Cast Samson as a bodybuilder and weightlifter, who then ends up becoming injured, and he's not able to bodybuild anymore and participate and find, sort of finds a new line of work. It's pretty inspiring. That's all the stories. And then, of course, there's a whole, whole gallery of pinups. You saw a few of them. We still have more coming in all the time. We've got a lot of talented Basically, all the artists that I couldn't convince to do a whole story for me, (laughs) where I was able to trick them into doing one drawing
0: for me. A lot of cool people who
2: are doing some pinups in there.
0: This Kickstarter should be either, at the moment, underway. August 20th. August 20th. Okay. And that'll run for 30 days, as per usual? It'll run for 30 days, yep. And what kind of rewards... Will it be for the backers? Obviously, we have a digital
2: book and we have a physical book. The comic's going to be a paperback, but we're going to sort of put the bells and whistles on it. We're going to have spot glass cover and and all sorts of cool stuff like that. Book is going to be about 160 pages long, so you can get the digital book, you can get the physical book, and then we have some bundles as well. Since I'm sort of the editor of this project, I'm offering a bundle with my previous comics—a small favor. You can get that whole series in a bundle, but then we're also offering a bundle which has
1: all of the uh, a book. Ah.
2: So I don't know, Greg, if you want to talk about what's going to be on offer there.
1: Volume 1, Volume 2. We also have the recent one-shot where he meets uh, John Henry, a robot apocalypse that's so been pretty popular. You know, the anthology. You get like a full a story <laughs> saga. Great. Excellent. And then we're still
2: working on a few other things. Um, It's possible that we may offer some of our pinups as prints. By the time this is running, we will have already launched. But that's basically it. I mean, more or less, when I run a Kickstarter, my big focus is on I want people to get the book, I want people to get the story. So there's going to be a few silly high reward tiers. But for the most part, it's like you want this book, you want these other books that we have on offer. And then the other thing is that when it comes to stretch goals, the big thing is that if we reach any stretch goals, we're going to be paying Mm-hmm. most of the extra money out to the contributors. We, we're we also going to have stretch goal rewards for the backers, which are mostly going to be digital comics. So almost everyone who is participating in this anthology has their own comic series. Besides me and Greg, a lot of the other contributors have comic book series, and so a lot of them have offered up digital versions mm-hmm. of their comics. When we hit those stretch goals, all the backers are just going to get extra digital comics and all the contributors then will get payouts. They're going to be getting a little more for what they've done because most of the contributors who contributed to this story did the work for either free or like copies of the book or very small payouts to begin with. So that's why what I would like to do is give that money back to the creators. And I think hopefully our fans are going to want to support all of these creators who did all this work and, and made these really beautiful stories because we want them to come back. Uh, if people are into this book, we're totally already talking about how we can do another one, you know, keep that going and, and, and put more, Really cool stories, more interpretations of myths that back out into the world.
0: What is the goal of your campaign dollar-wise? $10,500. It is
2: by far the most I've ever personally asked for on a Kickstarter, but when it comes down to it, we're still running on a pretty slim margin. What we're looking at is... What do we need to print the book? What do we need to ship it out to the backers? Also, every contributor is getting comp copies of the book. We have to ship those out to them. Different expenses that we have. We try to set the smallest goal that we could, but ultimately that's what it came down to. Hopefully, get a good response. People are into it. People want
0: to support it. So it starts August 20th. It should be running by the time you hear this. It won't be after it's ran by the time you hear this, unless you're listening to an old episode. But please give your support to the book. And getting back to Myths. Uh, think about this. Is there a hero, superhero, who exists now? Someone who is a B or C level character that you think could someday be a modern myth? Obviously, I think we can all agree the legacy will go on of Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, etc, etc. But if you had to just project, who do you think has the potential of a lower tier character, to be a modern or or future myth? Caleb, you first, and that's a tough I'm one. I'm going first. Yeah. Unless, Greg, you want to jump in. It's fine. If you already know, man. Go for it, bro. <laughs> Go for it. Uh,
2: <laughs> that is a tough question. For me, like, the number one hero is spider-man and i think i mean lately i've been raving to anyone who will listen about spider-verse i think that's the greatest superhero movie ever made by a wide wide margin and i think miles morales is such a great character i was i was in a conversation recently with someone who's like not a superhero fan not a spider-man fan Trying to convince them to watch this movie into the spider-verse and they're like why am i going to watch another version of spider-man it's just the same thing and i'm like no, no you don't no, 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 no. you don't understand <laughs> you don't understand miles morales is like a whole another level he's a whole new character like i love peter parker but miles morales to me embodies spider-man more than peter parker ever did and i don't think that is a great answer to your question because he's a pretty popular character already and he's a legacy character. But I think that Miles Morales, I think, is going to go down, I think, as, like, the Spider-Man uh, in the long
0: run. I saw that movie, too. It took my little son to see it. It was a great movie. And he has watched it here at home with my youngest several times. And I agree with you. That is a great projection, a great prediction that it'll be Miles that goes down as a modern legend. Greg, what do you think?
1: I mean, I could agree with Miles Morales. I think that's... a. Uh pretty sound one, especially I love, love, love the fact that when he first was announced how much hate he got so many people were against the idea trashed it, who found every Mm -hmm. single thing wrong about it, called it pandering, social justice warrior BS, all this other crap, and now you know, he won a damn Oscar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't it crazy? People like go nuts when something gets changed and then look how successful a lot of them are and people love it. Keep saying it'll never last. This, you know, is going to
1: be ruined blah blah, but look how he's gotten extremely popular. He's still lasting now. He's running in the same universe as Peter Parker. They both have their own sort of franchise. I think on, in addition to that, I have like a feeling Kamala Khan will probably be like blow up even more over the years i feel like she's been very popular and i think there was an announcement that they might even do a movie for uh miss marvel so i think that would really even blow up even more you know her stock her fan base and stuff like that
0: yeah that's a good one now is there a movie not a superhero movie but a movie about a mythical character from any era that you think is a pretty good one that you like?
1: I grew up on Greek mythology adaptions. Man, like, I was obsessed, obsessed. Sam Raimi's Hercules and... Wait, was it Sam or was it Ted Raimi? I think it was both of them. They did. Um, the Hercules and Xena series. I was obsessed with those. I was obsessed with Clash of the Titans, the original one. Anything that's like an adaption of Greek myths... I'm completely obsessed with. The Hercules from Disney. A recent Netflix series, I think like a year or two ago, that was based on The Trojan War, which I loved. I was also obsessed with that one too. So pretty much anything you know greek myths adaption i'm gonna go and see i'm gonna find time to check it out i would love to see some black diaspora based mythology adaption at some point i think that would be great to see
0: yeah for sure caleb how about you
2: i gotta agree with most of the things that greg said i mean hercules the animated movie that was my jam i don't know how many times i watched that as a kid <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll practically quote every line to you i love that movie i agree the original clash of the titans that's a great movie but I am also really into sort of King Arthur Mm -hmm. myths which by my estimation counts as mythology there's this movie and I don't I'm not sure that it's a good movie it's been a while since I've seen it but when I was a kid there was a movie called Quest for Camelot did you guys ever see that? no I haven't seen that I don't think I've seen that (laughs) It might have been a straight to DVD <laughs> movie. Honestly, I don't yeah. know. It had Celine Dion. In it. Oh, really? okay. And it was a movie about this like blind guy who wants to be a member of the Round Table, and he sort of like goes on this adventure. And there's a two headed dragon, and the two heads don't get along with each other. I don't- <laughs> I watched that movie a bunch. Like I had the soundtrack when I was a kid. I would play oh it gosh. over and over again. Anyway, I've always been really into King Arthur myths and any. I mean, there's been so many adaptations of sort of the story of King Arthur and his knights and whatever. Everything from you know really serious adaptations to you know Monty Python and mm-hmm. the Holy Grail, and uh, and that kind of stuff. So if it's got King Arthur in it, you know I'm sold. American
1: Gods have been doing wonderful when it comes to the adaptions of mythology, different cultures.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have not had a chance to see it. Is that still on? Was it Stars or something? I think it's stars. Right? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Greg, what did you think of Anansi in American
1: Gods? I love Orlando Jones' Anansi. Like, I think he's brilliant from the first episode that he showed up on the ship to, like, the last episode he showed up. Every time he's on screen, he's just very magnetic. You know, I've actually been wanting to like send him is not a book you know that luck hasn't run in
0: my favor yet (laughs) I got his address here somewhere right (laughs) now we see now you've piqued my interest I think I need to go check that out just to see his portrayal in the series
1: yeah it's amazing it's an amazing show
0: it really is good another one added to the list another one on the pile (laughs) (laughs) now Caleb you told us a lot about the book the uh, anthology series coming up that you're putting together so I'm going to give you a break And you've done the fun questions. I just have my top five here for you, Greg. Just five. Not a lot. Easy ones. Easy stuff. Now, what do you like to do for rest and relaxation?
1: What do I like to do? Okay.
0: (laughs) Are we NC-17 version or
1: PG-13 version?
0: (laughs) Well, it's a podcast, so, you know, I'm not going to bleep anything.
1: All right. So barring that part, that that obvious part, I'd say working out, Mm -hmm. definitely. Writing. Watching horror stories, reading, writing, watching horror movies, uh, anything like that. How was that? That was two or three. Put me on the spot, man. Okay. Comic books. All right. And <laughs> I don't know. What? It's all good stuff. It's all spending good stuff. Time, Spending time with loved ones is definitely something that helps a lot for my relaxation. Absolutely.
0: And you better say that when you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I know, right? We'll That's right. Doghouse, <laughs> there'd be no rest and relaxation <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a hypothetical situation, and it's a tough question because it's hard to nail down just one. But if you're stuck on a deserted island, and you can only have one book with you, and it can be a comic book, graphic novel, it's just for fun, it's not for survival purposes, just to pass the time, just to give yourself something to enjoy reading, what's the one book you want to have with you? Because you're going to be there for a while. Oh my God. You see, and watch this shit actually happen,
1: <laughs> and I'm going to be stuck with a book. <laughs> Damn, that's a tough one. I think it might come down to a book, either a book by James Baldwin or Tony Morrison. Honestly. I don't know which. There's so many. Damn, I really don't know. If I can if I can find a book as a compilation of their work, there you go. That's my cheap <laughs> All right.
0: All right. I'm sure there must be something out there somewhere. If not, somebody will put it together. <laughs> okay. Another hypothetical. A company is going to make an action figure of you. All right. Now Action figures have accessories. So what would be your accessory?
1: Probably some weights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably some weights and barbell. Um, (laughs) Definitely writing uh, stuff like a notebook. I always have my notebook with me no matter where I go.
0: You never know when inspiration is going to strike. You have an idea. You got to write it down.
1: Exactly. I always have my book bag even. Though there's no reason for me to have my
0: backpack, but it's just my books are in there. Did you keep a notepad by your bed in case you wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, I got to write that down before I forget it? <laughs> well, usually I tend to sleep through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the thing. I used to do that and I used to have a, a dream journal because I used to have like the trippiest, weirdest dreams and I loved them. It was like some David Lynch stuff. Whenever I would wake up, the first thing I would do is to try to write my dreams down because the book was literally right there. So I'm like, let me get it out the way, get some ideas. And then when it became a regular habit, all of a sudden, it was like something in my subconscious just stopped me from dreaming. Oh. Would not allow me to write anything else that I've had. You know? And I was just like, oh, come on. So... For the longest time, for years, I either didn't dream or I couldn't remember my dreams anymore because I started trying to track them down.
0: The first case I've heard of dreamers block. It's so so awkward. Once
1: in a while, I'll have them
0: again, but it's not frequent at all. Yeah, I find that when I'm really stressed, I dream a lot more and I can remember it. But when I'm fairly relaxed that week, I don't remember. I just sleep. Now, what is your beverage of choice? Water, hands down. You work out. You got to stay hydrated. The weightlifting and everything, of course. <laughs> I've seen you guys walking in with a big jug of water. Do you do that? Do you walk into the gym to work out? Do you work out at home or in a gym? A gym. Okay. I have uh, two gym memberships. <laughs> so you bring the gallon of water with you?
1: It's not a gallon, but it's a, it's a pretty big gallon.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> and my final question for you, Greg, is... What is the oddest job you've ever had? Something that you did to pay the bills, maybe not your first choice, but uh, you had to do it, and it's a little different. Any jobs like that?
1: Oh, boy. I don't even know if I want to answer that.
0: (laughs) Oh, can't talk about those jobs. I see. (laughs) I'm
1: leaving the fifth on this question right here. Oh, man.
0: Oh, (laughs) I had no idea. Usually it's the rest and relaxation or the beverage of choice. People can't get into that stuff, but all right, all right. (laughs) All right, shall we respect your privacy, sir? (laughs) All right, well then, so the book coming out, uh, August 20th, Kickstarter, Modern Mythology, The Hero's Journey. Chaka block full of all kinds of mythology stories interpreted as new, and there's going to be explanations in the book for each story, how it was inspired, what the original myth was, from all over the world, all time periods. Really good. What I've read so far has been really good, so if you're into mythology, you're going to really enjoy this anthology, so please check it out. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, folks, and before I wrap up, just want to share something with you. It is actually comic book related, but it's also personal. And in the past week, my father passed away. And prior to that, a couple months ago in May, my mother passed away. And both had suffered from long illnesses, mom from type 2 diabetes, and my dad from COPD. And so for him, every day was a struggle to breathe. And he just wanted to get up and do things, but he could not. Uh, And towards the end, it was very, very difficult for the whole family. And so as of this recording, I'll be returning back to Delaware for a few days to say farewell at his funeral and then come back to Las Vegas. Now, how does this tie into comics? Well, I mentioned this in previous episodes, how one of the first comics I remember was one that my mom had read to me. It was a beat-up copy, had a Fantastic Four cover on it, but it was Marvel Superheroes, and it was reprinting... Spider-Man, that classic issue where he's trapped underneath the machinery and he has to free himself to save his Aunt May and bring her the serum that she needs, written by Stan Lee with art by Steve Ditko. And it also contained a Human Torch story, written by Stan Lee and drawn by Carl Burgos. And that was actually one of the last works he did for Marvel, and I think that was the only thing he did for Marvel after they became Marvel Comics. And then the final story, my favorite of all time, was the Journey into Mystery reprint of Thor fighting the Hulk by Stanley Jack Kirby and Chick Stone. So I think it was just trying to foster a love of reading, but that got me hooked on comics. And then as I explained on other episodes as well, that when I was sick at home, my dad would bring me comics, and he would bring me Archie, DC, Superman Family, X-Men, Marvel superheroes reprints and other books. And he wanted to pick out for myself and my two sons, who my oldest son's birthday is his birthday and my youngest son's birthday is a week later and he insisted on getting presents for all of us before he passed away. I understand from my sister who showed him our Amazon list, that was the easiest way to show him the wish list, make it easy for her to order for him, and really he wasn't able to speak very much at all towards the end because I was communicating with him by phone from here And just the last few phone calls, he really had a hard time speaking. And so he picked out a couple things, and one is a book on proper use of English, which (laughs) I guess I could use. But the other one, uh, interestingly enough, was X-Men Grand Design by Ed Piscor, and this is the second Genesis edition. And I thought about that, and I'm like, one of the last things he orders for me was an X-Men comic. And one thing that I distinctly remember him getting for me and bringing home from the 7-Eleven was that X-Men number 69 with The Mimic on the cover. I believe it was a Sal Buscema cover. It was a new cover over that classic X-Men issue. So it's just kind of interesting how for both of them, reading, getting a good education, having a good job, providing for your family was very, very important. And his work ethic was very, very important to him. Uh, he worked very hard starting his own business. He quit his job when he was about, uh, I think, 22 or so, 23, and wanted to start a business for himself doing custom interiors, doing furniture, and he even went into later doing custom interiors of cars, street rods, and of course he had a great love of street rods, and he had his friends and buddies he'd hang out with even up to the end. Uh, having a good time at Pat's Pizzeria, and talking about old times, and enjoying the street rods. Both my parents had introduced me to comics, Marvel Comics and DC Comics, and that's what I read, and that's what I still read today, and it's a very important hobby that I still enjoy. So that's one connection that we'll always have, and that desire I have for my children as well, that they grow up, have a good education, and if they learn to read through a love of comics, all the better. In fact, right now, while I'm recording this, They're watching Spider-Man 3. No critiques, please. I know it's not the greatest Spider-Man movie, but it's not half bad, and it's half good. So um, they're watching that right now because they love it. And I hope they keep reading and enjoying stuff. Uh, Even my oldest son is reading to my youngest son. So reading is very important. And I just wanted to mention that my parents got me started in reading comics and collecting comics and encouraged that and gave me an allowance when I was like 10 years old so I could buy stuff, and I started buying comics. So And here I am today. Thank you mom and dad. And I'm going to close out the show with one of my dad's favorite artists, Willie Nelson. It's an instrumental piece that I put together for a Christmas playlist I made for my parents. And so I'll just close out with that song. And by the time you hear this episode, I'll be back from Wilmington and back in Las Vegas, working hard to bring you more interviews and more podcasts until next time.